Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick. This is episode number 49 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast. Brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also sponsored by Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses and mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, doro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old-time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including beginning mandolin and intermediate bluegrass mandolin with Sharon Gilchrist. She's also got the uh, bluegrass soloing one that she put out recently, too. Bluegrass mandolin jam favorites and the advancing mandolin is with Joe K. Walsh, Monroe-style mandolin with Mike Compton, melodic mandolin tunes with John Reichman, chord melody mandolin with Aaron Weinstein, Irish mandolin with Marla Fibish, and theory for mandolin and fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. That's all one word. And we are also sponsored by Northfield Mandolins. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Go to their website and check them out as well. Their, their website is so well done, and the history of it and the pictures and all that good stuff is amazing. So be sure to go out there. So thank you so much to my sponsor. Thank you so much to you listeners. I really, really appreciate you listening, leaving reviews. Um, if you don't follow me on Instagram or Facebook, it'd be awesome if you did. Um, and you can also go to mandolinsofbeer.com and shoot me a message. Um, I got a bunch of great messages this week, uh, a couple a day. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate all the, uh, all the kind words and encouraging messages. They're really, really nice, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, so thank you for doing that. Um, one other thing I did want to point out, something that I want to talk about just real quick here. Uh, I ordered the John Hartfield, The Mammoth Book of Fiddle Tunes um, this week, and I got it Monday. And if you're a John Hartford fan... This thing is incredible. Um, they're not advertising or anything. I just, it is, it's beautiful. And it's a bunch of his tunes and his handwriting scanned right from his his music books and stories from people who have been on this podcast. And it's amazing. So if you're a Hartford fan, um, and if, or even if you're just a fiddle tune fan, it, it, it's great. And they just put out an album that goes along with some of the tracks. And how I really got turned on to it is Sierra Hall's version of Old Beveled Mirror is mind-blowing. So... Check that out. And also be sure to check out Katarina's brand new album, Solo. It's not on Spotify yet, so we didn't really do a playlist this week, but it is worth it. The liner notes that she put in there describing the tunes and why she played and what instruments. It's an amazing package, and it's worth owning the physical copy. So be sure and go and check that out. There'll be a link at mandolinsofbeer.com. And uh, let's get into the interview. This one was great, and it was done all the way from between here and Germany. And Mike was there as well, giving us a little uh, translation help when needed. So cheers, everybody. Now I'd like to welcome to the Mandolins of Beer podcast, Katarina Lichtenberg. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, consider, you know, that the times are so strange, but kind of uh, trying to do the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. And, um, and I appreciate you taking the time in these strange times. And we're doing this in completely different countries. Yeah. Well, um, the first thing I want to congratulate you on is this beautiful 
album, I've been listening to it. I got a copy of it. It came in the mail Thursday, and it is just one of the best combinations of technique and emotion and passion I have heard in, I can't even think of the last time I've listened to something where I was just had so many different feelings. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying this. It's, uh, I put all my love into it, you know, and all I, I try to put all my love and all my skills and all, everything into it, you know. So I am so happy that it's maybe um, actually was uh, able to to collect it like a in a pot of of music. <laughs> oh yeah, you one hundred percent did. I um, I I I mean, literally, I can't even find words. I was trying to put like notes in here how to describe this album, and I really don't think you can do it with words. I think it's something that people just have to listen to because it's um, it's amazing, and and the liner notes really kind of. Are, are another great part is it kind of gives you a, a, a peek in with like the different instruments and the stories behind why you picked the songs um, really kind of helps. It's, it's wonderful the way you did the whole thing. Yeah. It's very personal, you know, because I also explained that I, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember if I wrote this in the book, but I made um, 12 CDs before always chamber music. So it's like more like a, like a conversation in, in between two or three people, you know, and this time it was just solo and uh, it's just very much me <laughs> there and uh, what I feel and, and how I understand music and, and it's kind of fits also into the social distance time, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It does. How was the, how was it to sit down and because your previous albums were done with other participants to sit down with these pieces of music just just by yourself in that studio what 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 was the mental preparation for something like that yeah actually there was uh, yeah I, I did not mike said 30 years but uh, it's just um <laughs> yeah i i you know i always had a solo program um in in my fingers i i i kind of have two two hours of solo repertoire which I can deliver tomorrow if somebody is asking me for a concert. It's just pieces I have been studying, and uh, and whenever I play with other people, often there is also one part in the concert where some you know we all play solo, and so they, I would pick out of this back bucket <laughs> like a piece I I want to play this this particular evening. But on the CD, I picked like um, out of this uh, big repertoire, I just picked my most favorite pieces or pieces who like have a big meaning to me uh, over the years. And that's why that's why uh, it was actually easy to play them. I didn't need a big preparation mentally because they were growing with me, you know. Um, yeah, you could definitely tell there's like an emotional connection to these songs, like the passion just just oozes through the this the um production of it which is which again is like so tough to capture in in my mind in in music is to be able to actually feel the artist's like soul coming through and this man from the first track <laughs> it just yeah, it, it's you. great i am i'm very happy you say this because i you know i was wondering how uh, this cd would maybe uh, feel to somebody who didn't grow up necessarily with playing or listening a lot to classical music or with just having a different repertoire. 
and and I'm so happy it touches you know the people who even are not classical trained you know yeah and that was funny because um I had the same sort of feeling when when getting ready to listen to it because again without you know much of a classical background um at all you know it was kind of like well yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great you know I knew that it's obviously your talent um but I was really really um just overtaken with it and I listened to it the first listen I actually did on like about a, like a five mile walk and it was just perfect <laughs> oh thank you yeah absolutely <laughs> When I got the CD, I, I, I tried it with my children and they got to sleep uh, <laughs> the third track. So I thought that's a good sign. It's yeah, relaxing. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Before we dig a bit into the album, let's let's talk a little bit about how you got into mandolin. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it was just something love by first sign, as you say, right? I, mm -hmm. I was six years old when, when I hear this. I grew up in a town, Magdeburg, um, like the composer Telemann, my first piece on the CD, it's the same town. Magdeburg is in former East Germany, and um, and so um, I, I just uh, came to the age where parents sometimes uh, think, oh, okay, let's do some music lessons, and I have an older brother who plays the piano, and so it was now my turn to pick an instrument, and and then I hear the mandolin orchestra in town, and I just liked it so much, and uh, so I. I picked the mandolin, you know, and, yeah. and, and I didn't know where it will bring me because, uh, you know, my parents thought, oh, maybe violin or cello would be, you know, more a real instrument. And the <laughs> mandolin at that time seemed like, oh, my God, what is what is this? But now um, it makes so much sense to me because it's an Italian instrument. Yeah. Right. And and I love Italy so much, the language, the music, the food, everything. And, and then I later discovered also that I'm quarter Italian and uh, my name is spelled also Italian spelling of Katerina. So I didn't know those things when I picked the mandolin. It was just <laughs> later. <laughs> and, then, and I picked an Italian husband, as you know, Mike. <laughs> yes. both, both sides Italian. But I did not know when I met him, I thought Marshall, that's, that's some American, like yeah. Irish or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the mandolin is just... Um, at that age, when I was six, I hear the orchestra and I love the music and the sound and on the shape of the mandolin. I play a ball back mandolin and I think the shape is very sweet for a child, you know, like a big round belly. And <clears throat> so it's it was a also connection just from the vision, visual, yeah. <laughs> and so I started at age six uh, and then later on I... I also picked the guitar, the classical guitar and piano lessons. So I had a, a you know, by variety of instruments, but the mandolin stayed with me and this was my first instrument. So. And so was it classical repertoire then that was really it, what kind of you started on? Yeah, it was actually a lot of violin uh, repertoire 
and uh, also you know some of the methods um, all the etudes uh, and exercises from the violin uh, school but also um, you know classical pieces and also Bach and uh, Telemann and those composers and then also in the orchestras we played a lot of um, also polkas you know oh, yeah. kind of <laughs> I, I have and, some Polish uh, in me. I, I I grew up in a in a Polish area in Michigan, so polkas. You you had polkas at yeah. every wedding you went to when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun to play, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, yeah, and then also I had um, a very nice teacher at the music school, the local music school. I think for a child, it's also very important the connection to the teacher. And the, the, if the teacher is cool, and uh, you know, and if there's like a like a very warm relationship that's very helpful for a child to to stick with the with the music and she was great and i'm still uh, i'm still in contact with her she's uh, you know now in her late 80s and whenever i go to my hometown i visit her and her name is mrs button so <laughs> it's very cute. so knopf it's a german name knopf but this means in english button so and she, she was first teacher yeah that's amazing. It is. It's. It's pretty wild to think about how many how many amazing composers or musicians have been uh, turned away from music from a terrible teacher. You know, just the, it blows my mind sometimes to think about all this talent that never might have been brought to fruition yeah. because they had one bad lesson. They're like, well, this isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really that's so true what you say and. It's just so important, especially with children in education. Um, to really uh, grow the love for for learning and uh, um, and you you have to do this so carefully to not break those little wings they have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> what did it look like for your um like your daily routine for practicing and rehearsal as you as you um got older from like your child years to your teen years? Yeah, I mean I. I picked uh, at age 11 the guitar and then later the piano and I music was very important uh, for my parents but no, they are not professional musicians at all they listened just a lot to music and my brother and I also have a sister so we all had an instrument um, picked up and then or a second one and so there was always music in the house and um, because I think the education is not just having lessons it's uh, you are educated by by listening to to great music, and I later discovered that my parents actually had pretty amazing CDs, which at that time I didn't know that they were really great uh, interpretations. And so by listening this, you you also build your taste a little bit. So, um, and then I I did not practice much. I was actually a little bit lazy. I I was loved to perform, but not necessarily to practice. And so my teacher she discovered this pretty early. And so she started, she started putting me on concerts, you know, playing concerts. And because of this, a fear to, to, to play not good enough. So I started practicing because of those little concerts she would organize. And, and then later, yeah, and later in my teens, I just felt more and more that music is so important mm -hmm. to me that I want to do this actually professionally. And so I decided I better get good on this mandolin. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can, you know, play with orchestras or travel. And and also I wanted to, uh, you know, travel this. Uh, I thought music is such a great thing to see the world and uh, be connected with 
people from many different countries. But I was still in East Germany, you know, former East Germany. So this was before the wall came down. And oh, wow. I, yeah. So I did not know that one day I'd be able to, you know, to see all those countries and even meet an American mandolin player. <laughs> <laughs> I can play with. And, not just me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all these uh, things, I'm still... Um, because of my background growing up in this, um, the, yeah, this you know, communist mm. country uh, where you were not allowed to travel into Western countries. I'm still now, you know, 30 years later, I'm still so amazed whenever I sit in an airplane and I go somewhere, I'm still like, oh my God, I can't believe I can do this. So it's still <laughs> lasting. And I think I, because of this um, childhood, I'm maybe even more appreciating what what I have now and so I started practicing then when I actually uh, discovered I want to be a musician and it was like very clear to me but really hard practicing I started when I came to the university uh, here in the Cologne University and I met, I met my teacher Marga uh, she, so she was pretty uh, you know like very practicing and then I really learned learned to work a little bit harder than before and um, but it was always fun also so I, I loved also um, doing this work and I still do and in this corona times whereas no concert uh, was actually interesting also for me to see that I really love to practice or to just play music I don't call it practicing you know I just play yeah. music and yeah and even with no reason with no concert and with no fear to to play a concert and not be prepared, I still love to do this um, work. It's just like a like a zen zen exercise to me. Yeah, me too. It's been uh, like the one saving grace. Yeah, I've always found music to be uh, comforting, and before I even knew what like anxiety was, <laughs> you know, it was just like I, I always felt comfortable. I had a guitar mm -hmm. or a mandolin or whatever, and now especially these times, I'm just been playing and playing and playing it's been great uh, i think it's every every child should should be exposed to music uh, you know it's just so healthy and it's also giving you i mean not necessarily to become a professional musician but just to have this like this access to express your feelings uh with with music yeah i'm seeing it also now with my own children uh, uh, they are playing and sometimes when one of my daughters is sad or angry then you know she sometimes t goes to the piano and, and then she feels better afterwards or you know also with, when she's very happy she sits down so it's just like a little ventile I don't know how is the, is the English word like a ventile you have this word a possibility to an yeah an outlet to to just you know express your feelings or also when when they play with other uh you know the younger daughter plays in the orchestra now and it's just such a social thing also to play together and to listen to each other it teaches you uh, listening to each other it's, it teaches you more than just music it teaches you social skills actually by playing with other people together right yeah for sure to, wait, to listen to wait yeah those are good skills you need also later. 
Listening is definitely a good skill. (laughs) We need need more of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so when you, um, going back to when you were talking about uh, doing some of these solo spots, uh, do do you, when you play, do you memorize all these pieces or do you use the the sheet music when you you uh, perform these pieces? I usually memorize them all. I mean, Mm I do, but sometimes I put them, um, you know, sometimes uh, some of the pieces, I just put them just just in case um, also on the music stand. But most of the pieces I, I perform by memory. Uh, and also when I recorded them, it was by memory. But if, uh, you know, sometimes I would have to record from bar 26 or something just a second time or third time then then of course i i use the sheet just to, to know where where this is but i think you digest the music different when you really uh, can play it by memory but to perform by memory it's it depends you know on the uh environment or you know I, I, sometimes it's also comforting to, to just know that the music is there just in case sure what are some what are some tips because this is I find this so intriguing and interesting because you know you're recording 10 minute pieces sometimes and mm-hmm. you know someone sometimes there'll be people who mandolin players who are like how do you remember the chords to whiskey before breakfast you know which is a pretty short <laughs> yeah. song in the grand scheme of things um, so how do you approach memorizing these pieces of music well, there's like different ways, you know, some people just have a photography memory, they just look at the sheet and they remember this. Wow. <laughs> um, and then, then you're, um, you remember, you can remember it also by listening. So you make the connection in between the music, you sing it in your head and you can transport it to the fingerboard. Mm-hmm. Or you also memorize like um, the, like what you, the, the fingerboard actually, what your fingers do. And um, I mostly come from the second, so I, I hear it and I sing it inside, and then I feel where the note is. But the combination in between all three of those is the best uh, for performing and and not, uh, you know, having like leaks. Uh, you know, also now to to sing more harmonically. That's also, of course, a very good skill. I. I do this now more since I met Mike because he's very much hearing the harmonies and in the classical training is not so much, uh, it was not so much uh, a part of the learning what is behind the melody, yeah, all the harmonies, but but to have combination in between those few things uh, is helping. But mostly I do uh, hear this. I also le- learn languages like this, you know, English, I, I did I didn't learn English uh, with a book. I actually hear people talking and listened, and then I remember the word. And uh, you know, this is how I learned English. That's why my spelling is not really good. You know, (laughs) (laughs) my speaking is maybe okay. And uh, so, like like the language I learned, I also the music approach is the same for me. Mm. But when I when I teach my students how to to do this uh, some of them never did play without the sheet so we are tr- I, tr- I try to train them you know but the best is actually the kids who who started actually uh, learning by ear i really think that's the best way no music sheet at the beginning just by ear so that you get the connection in between what you hear and 
where you push the button, right? Sure, absolutely. And, uh, and also in old uh, methods of the piano uh, methods from the 18th century or 17th century, they also talk about this, that a child who starts music should actually not use a sheet, should first get this connection in between music and, and hearing and then where you you have to put your fingers. And then later on, you start with a, with a sheet, the music sheet. And I think uh, that's then much easier for those kids um, to to memorize things, yeah. Yeah, I can't. So, I can't imagine. Just again, like listening to some of these pieces, I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> you know, it's so amazing to me to think of that. Um, and I, you should, you should, you did uh, mention lessons. You do do lessons through artist works, so yes. I want to point that out for people that they can. Um, can take lessons from you through artistworks.com. Mm -hmm. So that's a, yeah. that's a good way. Now, did you listen to like what, um, like other types of did, like bluegrass and different things like that? Were, were, was that sort of stuff in your world at all? Or was that kind of once you started traveling? Uh, I actually, yeah, I, I discovered bluegrass a little bit later, but way before I met Mike. So um, my brother is a jazz musician or, he played professionally jazz so as a very on a very early uh, you know in my early years i already uh, even i had a classical training but i was exposed to jazz and other styles a lot and then when i uh, so i loved jazz and you know also brazilian music and all those things already in my teens but then um, when i came to cologne uh, and studied at the university um, Mandarin really seriously as a classical instrument and I discovered uh, already bluegrass a little bit also when I first time came to America in the 90s and I played uh, at the festival then I bought some of those CDs and I also discovered like David Grisman and Mike Marshall <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to them like secretly because my teacher was not so much uh, you know up for this kind of music she was very classical at that time uh -huh. now she's also she opened up later a little bit more but uh at that time i was like just listening to it myself and i just thought oh my god what you can do with the mandolin i never thought you can and uh so i was loving this music very much and now of course living uh, with a uh, with mike um that's a whole nother thing you know so the, the bluegrass is very very much into our everyday diet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. Oh my gosh, yeah, the music in your household must be just mind-blowing all day long between the two of you. <laughs> That's amazing. And also playing with him, of course, because also this, the bluegrass, is the same like with classical music. Uh, you do it and uh, you learn so much by just playing with somebody, yeah? You know, how do you explain music? Uh, I mean, bluegrass, uh, all this... Um, uh, the, the 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 dialect of this music i call it dialect or, or accent right in mm -hmm. the language it's uh, when you play classical music it's a different accent than than bluegrass but when you see it as a music sheet on paper you don't hear this you it doesn't look like there's a big difference but oh, it's right. of course the way how you play it it's so different and the phrasing and uh, you know it's so different so and the best way to learn this is you eat it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 
and doing it yeah learning by doing yeah that's really true and so just watching mike mike is one thing but when i play with him then i feel if it feels good or not and so i know if if it doesn't feel good then that's me and i have to change something and it's really like a learning process every time we play together and i think the same is for him when he plays classical music and uh, and the phrasing uh, is so different and then i tell him you know all oh, this should be like this and then this even makes him change some fingerings uh, because the phrasing is asking for this and so it's both for both of us like a, a wonderful um, you know school we go through every day <laughs> and, and um the the albums you have together are wonderful and watching um some of the youtube videos i was kind of watching a little bit this weekend just to kind of prepare for this as well is the um the ability of both of you because i'm familiar with mike's playing for i mean he's one of the first people you know that i ever listened to and and then listening to your your stuff and knowing the two different completely different backgrounds the way they yeah. meld together feels completely natural you know and i think it's amazing it says a lot about both of your musicianship We are both sometimes like amazed by how different also we grew up, you know, like here me in East Germany, him in America, you know, it's it's um, not only the blue as a style of music, it's also politically and uh, so many things. And uh, at the same time, we are so similar in our thinking and priorities in life and what it's meaningful to us. It's, it's just so uh, amazing to see um, yeah, how how many uh, similar things we have in uh, like in common, right? How many, um, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about your uh, your new album here, solo. Then, because again, as I as I talked about at the beginning of the podcast here, it's just it's amazing. You know, sometimes classical music has a little bit of a uh, um, stigma of being sterile. Uh, I think yeah. in, in certain in certain listening circles, and it is this is not a sterile recording. This thing is just oozes oozes feel. And I, so, did you have a a piece of this music that was the first piece that you knew for sure was going to be on this album? Oh, you mean as the first piece on the album, or no. to, that you picked, like when you decided? Ah, yeah, like you knew you were going to record a solo album. Was there one song initially? that you knew this was going to be on there? Oh, yeah, it was like, oh, my God, what shall I record? Because I was thinking, should it, should it be just one composer, you know, just all Bach? Um, or should it be, you know, all on my Baroque mandolin? And I was like going through all this and I thought, oh, my God, I cannot. I don't want to... Um, like limit myself <laughs> on my so i thought I, I i just you know also when i played this gibson mandola which is so warm and beautiful the sound and just made me want to play all bach and make a whole cd on this instrument but then i decided god but but what about my baroque mandolin and the abel or the sauli on the 
you know, and so at the end, I just thought, okay, I, I just try to include uh, a few instruments and also a few different styles. Um, and because it's the first solo, I, I uh, thought, I, I don't want to limit myself. So if I ever do a second solo CD, then maybe I will go more into like a direction, you know, just all Baroque or all Romantics music from the 19th century, or I, I, just, I don't know, I could do, you know, on each of this another solo CD, but the, this first CD, I just felt, uh, I just put it all out, you know, whatever, like a little potpourri, I don't know if you yeah. have this. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, like what I would do in a recital, you know, um, mostly when I do a solo recital, then, you know, I, I do different, you know, styles or different uh, pieces. And uh, uh, but uh, last year I was asked to play just Italian composers. So this was limiting me already a little bit more. But even though they were all Italians, I could uh, put a big um thing from the baroque time till the contemporary music there's so many italian mandolin music uh, but uh, you know bach doesn't fit yeah he was not so italian right, right. <laughs> uh, mike is translating your oh cool question. yeah well no not not really there were like immediately many songs who, who i felt oh, i want right. them all you know that's why I didn't have one only. I'm glad you, you chose the path you chose because it's kind of like it really takes you from like, like after you get through like the track 10 there when the when the Bach ends and you go into the, uh, I'll never say these names right, but is it Abel, Abel? Abel, yeah. Sorry? Fantasia, yeah, Fantasia. such a difference that it's just like this big surprise <laughs> you know you're yeah. like oh my gosh it's this is it just keeps your attention i think by the way you switch the composers yeah the instruments also change right going from the Gibson to the baroque mandolin and the baroque mandolin is for me also you know i i have sometimes this feeling that each instrument is representing a different emotional mood also and the baroque mandolin sometimes uh, I feel, you know, when it's like those autumn or winter evenings and when it's like gray sky and it's like kind of like at home you sit on the fire, you know, then this Abel fits very well. Yeah, but maybe for each person it will be a different um, uh, feeling they connect with this. Sure. When, when, I was, when in California, it was always the sun shining. And, uh, but when the one day is not the sun shining, then I you know, felt sometimes was my soul was asking for some different music and I would put on, you know, uh, some recordings. I would not put on if the sun is shining. Yeah. And that's why I'm thinking also this composers who exist all over the world, you know, Bach probably never would have written his music if he was would have been born in Brazil. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> 
he needed those cold, horrible winters in Germany, you know, gray for seven months or something. Right. And it's just, um, you know, especially in the 17th century or 18th century, God, how cold it was being, uh, would have been in Leipzig and wherever he was living and composing. So it's representing something so different uh, than, you know, this very lightful Brazilian music, maybe, or the choro, I mean. And uh, bluegrass, you know, it's all kind of connected to the culture and the weather and the, you know, whatever it makes it. It's like plants, different plants are growing in different areas of the world. So the same as with the music composers. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great analogy, the plants. That's a wonderful <laughs> way to put it. Mm. <laughs> You also now when you did the um when you used the mandola you used a quill, a bird feather yeah. for yeah. the uh for the plectrum, right? Yeah. Had had you done that before? No, never. And it was also not planned. I we were just um, starting to record the bach and the mandola is just so beautiful. And in a concert I would always play it with a pick, with a plastic pick. Mm -hmm. But then on the, when I listened to the sound on the tape, I thought, hmm, I, I hear so much uh, clicking. It's not warm enough. And then I tried different picks. And then I, just for fun, tried my feather, which I used also for the abel, right? And then it just sounded so nice. And I thought, wow, I should do this. Why not? You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, you know, the harpsichord in the, in the Bach time was the harpsichord is also plucked was plucked with a feather right? oh now really they, yeah it's now they now they use little, little plastic uh, picks right but in the old times they would use a little feather quill on the harpsichord in in bach's time and so it's actually not so far away to to do this you know it just brings it back to the to the roots <laughs> Uh, another track on here, um, and again, I love the insight because when I was listening to the uh, Leone, Leone, yeah. Leone, yeah. Yeah. What I love about that is before I read the liner notes, I listened to the album, and I'm like, wow, the, all the different techniques that are going through this song. And then I yeah. read that one of the things when you um, when it was required to be performed um, was a different right hand technique with each variation of the tune. So what are some of those techniques? Because you can hear it when you're listening to it. It is just like a, a tour de force or of, of technique and in, in sound. It's incredible. Yeah, those right hand techniques, uh, they are all um, a part of this um, method, the 18th century methods from those masters. And they are making the mandolin so unique the classical mandolin and they they are really different and i do teach them on artists works because you mentioned i teach there i do that's a big part of my 
program, especially at the beginner uh, uh, curriculum, to give um, you know the students access to those informations and uh, to bring them back to the roots of the mental and playing because many of them are based on gliding through the strings and in a 45 degree angle, the pick is 45 degree to the top of the mandolin and then you glide through the strings. And uh, at the beginning, you know, it's, it's a little bit uh, strange uh, for players who never did this before, but then when you get used to this, they give you such an amazing uh, possibilities to play uh, pieces and, and you get uh, the voices in a very different way out important voices and bass notes and it becomes more plast plastical or plastic. I don't know how to, to say this, but it gives you like many dimensions of playing chords, uh, you know, with gliding through the strings. And, and so uh, stu students uh, on, on, the, on my artist work side, they always um, like love this because it's, it's uh, so easy when, when you finally understand how to do it, then it's like, oh my God, it's so natural actually. And so makes, um, makes the mandolin so richer because it's something the violin cannot do. It's very unique for the mandolin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of it almost sounds like it's finger style, and which is amazing to me. And the tempo, yeah, the, you can also get some tempi. If you would do this in back and forth, like alternate picking, you can never get to this tempo. But those techniques, the gliding through techniques, are just giving you these possibilities. And they feel very natural when you are finally, like, uh, it makes a click, you know, you do it for a few weeks or a few months, and then finally, boom, and then, wow, that so <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I know this because I did not uh, know about those uh, arpeggio techniques till I was 20, you know, and when I started at the university, then I was taught to do this. And I remember it was so strange to do it at the beginning, but then finally it's made click and now, and then it's like, wow, how, what an amazing world is now opening to, to, to play those pieces in, in a way they were meant to be played. And also you can use them also for bluegrass picking, you know, you can do chords and, and, and glide through the strings and in different ways you may maybe have done. Yeah. Your, your, your downstrokes are completely different than say like a Bill Monroe downstroke, <laughs> you know what I mean? The whole entire <laughs> approach, <laughs> but just as powerful. Yeah, very powerful. And I also tried to get the big sound out of the mandolin by, you know, hitting those strings into the mandolin instead of taking them out. I don't know how to explain this um, with the words, but I'm trying to plucking hit, towards. yeah, I'm plucking towards the back of the mandolin. So into my belly button, with if, if, yeah, with a rest stroke. And, uh, and yeah, and and I'm not picking the, the string out towards the audience. Yeah, so that's that makes such a big difference. Uh, the, the instrument resonates in a very different way. And uh, and then I, you know, I also use sometimes to pick out the strings towards the audience, but that's just in a different effect. But mainly I play with this um, big stroke, which I actually uh, think gives the instrument a big sound. And the bridge of the mandolin has to be, of course, a little bit higher. Otherwise, you get this buzzing sound. Uh, 
but it's uh, it's worth it you know it's a little bit then for the left hand harder when the bridge is higher but it's worth it uh, for the beautiful rich sound of the mandolin yeah you you definitely pull some beautiful rich sounds out of it and again like you know that it's so hard on such a small instrument played with a with a pick to be able to get a really beautiful warm sound out of it and you this again this whole album is just filled with it thank you so oh, yeah you're thank welcome you. thank you for putting it out <laughs> <laughs> when you um that that the air there we were just talking about where it has the different right hand techniques are those all are those like kind of notated in the music when you're when you were first learning those songs like realizing like this song is actually played with these different techniques like i have to now change yeah he did leona wrote a method in the 18th century which i uh, uh, own so i got this not not the original but a copy a manuscript of this method and everything is written down like each little note exactly how to play it and then i also studied other methods from the 18th century by other masters like uh, you know denise and gervasio and corette and and so each of them has like different signs but most of them agree in this rest stroke and 45 degree angle of the pick for the arpeggio techniques and but they also use a 90 degree which is what most of the american players play and so in combination in between those two techniques and it's all written down and uh and then you know studying later the uh, methods from the 19th century where they have a completely different technique like they almost forgot about these traditions uh, after the french revolutions all uh, french revolution all those masters from the 18th century um, disappeared and then there was a, like a 30 year like a sleeping uh, time of the mandolin and then in the middle of the 19th century the mandolin came out again in italy uh, with the tremolo tremolo was the main technique and in the 18th century, there was no tremolo used, uh, not the tremolo we know in those days, in the Italian cantabile tremolo, yeah. And so that's so interesting how, how the technique changes over the times. But it's in the 18th century, it's very particular written how to play each note. And especially Leona was like very specific. And you and Mike also put out um, a book, um, a, a method book, uh, recently of was it i'm gonna again i i, I if i say the name wrong, uh, Rafael, about... yeah Rafael. is the greatest uh, composer of the 19th century era like romantic style and uh, he is uh, just amazing composer and, and also his six volume method is really starting from the beginning and goes to the like absolutely virtuosic uh, playing 
And I used a lot of his exercises also on my artist work curriculum to show students, you know, where where it can go with harp arpeggios and tremolo staccato, which means double uh, do style. I think you call it in America. Yeah. Evan Marshall does a lot of do style playing. Yeah, and so it's called in Italy tremolo staccato. And um, it's amazing sounding. <laughs> you you nail it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It sounds sometimes like um, this specific technique, like two people are playing, yeah? And it's just so, um, also again, makes the mandolin so much richer by knowing about those techniques and playing the pieces. It's, it's something else. And, and an, another composer, the, the very last tune, Perpetual Movement by- uh, Oh yeah. Oh, <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Kubahara, yeah, oh my God. That is yeah, like, he, uh, like, I, it's amazing. I, it was, I, it was what a perfect end to the album because it is, you're listening to this and it is just like out of left field almost. It's amazing. contemporary yeah so I was thinking oh all the pieces are kind of like nice to listen and I thought if somebody doesn't like contemporary music they can always turn the CD off at the last (laughs) 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 it is definitely different for sure yeah and Mm -hmm. you and you spent some time you this is someone that you actually spent time with or knew yes I met him as a 20 year old not knowing how amazing he is and he gave me some composing lessons and i just then later uh we stayed in contact and uh and then i there was i, I did win this one big international mandolin competition and because of this he invited me to japan to participate in his festival and then uh, i got him uh, known a little bit more and uh, we talked a lot about music and this was such a gift to talk to him, he was amazing. And uh, uh, he wrote those solo pieces. He wanted to actually write 10 solo pieces for mandolin, but uh, at the end, um, because he was very sick, uh, he could only finish six of them, Mm -hmm. which is sad, but at the same time, also I'm thankful that we have uh, at least six of these pieces and solo pieces, and they are so different. Each of them is very different. in the expression and also techniques and it's um yeah amazing and he was not only a great player himself he was also a you know an amazing composer yeah but he also played his pieces um many of the other pieces he composed for mandolin and orchestra or something so he performed also so that's a amazing combination and between a great composer and a great performer Right. Do you do you do composing as well? Oh yeah. I mean, I I, I wrote some little things here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I would not call myself composer, but um, 
I, I wrote one piece, which is on the last CD with Mike and me, and people are asking me to, to write more of those. Um, you know, when you come from the classical world, then this word composer immediately uh, uh, amplifies, uh, uh, puts in your head uh, like Beethoven, Bach, <laughs> right. Mozart, yeah? you right. know, yeah. and <laughs> and so you get really small uh, thinking, oh, my God, a composer, you know, so that's that's a little bit scary then to then you you think you really have to study composing. And uh, so, again, being with Mike, he encourages me to just, you know, write something. And uh, and to, so he calls it also composing and I, I call it just writing. <laughs> <laughs> composing means like a symphony or something yeah so yeah i i do you know it's um i should do it more because i often hear something in my head and i think oh i should write it down and the song on on our last cd it's called mara sleeping song and people love it and it's only there because Mike forced me to write it down I was singing <laughs> it yeah I was singing it and he said what are you singing and I said oh nothing just you know singing and then he said write it down so I wrote it down and and then he he, he tried to put the chords to it and I said no that's the wrong chords this is <laughs> so I was already, I had already a concept in my head and so because he forced me to write it down that's why um, we have now this song on the city. And so I should do this whenever I hear something. Um, but I, I don't take myself always so serious because I'm thinking, oh, that's just a song. But maybe that's how you start a composition, right? Hearing something in your head and, and writing it down. I, I would love to hear a uh, an album of your compositions because your um, the amount of influences that you have I think it'd be really unique compared to a lot of other a lot of other compositions by musicians just because you have such a great you you're able to play um, so many different styles of music so well and but you come from a completely different background than well for me i guess from 99 percent of what i normally listen to <laughs> you know so i think oh. it'd be really interesting to hear yeah okay i should i should just forget about all this um big composers you know who who make me feel so small and and then just write down whatever i feel and i hear yeah i mean that's how they started don't you think they probably started with some Probably started with a little melody, and next thing you know, the Ninth Symphony was written. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God, yeah. Okay, I take it in, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so let's talk a little bit. I know we have, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you guys have a lot going on. I'd love to talk a little bit about the different instruments and some of the, and some of the, uh, um, your gear that you use. Like, um, I guess let's talk about maybe a couple of the instruments you used on the album here real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one, um, obviously you use the mandola and then you have your, what is your main instrument though? 
But the main instrument is the first one on the CD where I played Telemann uh -huh. and also Kalache and Kuvahara on it. So that's my normal, like um, Neapolitan style uh, mandolin, which is a modern instrument made by Alfred Woll, a German maker. And uh, so it's a Neapolitan mandolin because it has this big round belly on the back. Yeah, it's beautiful. But yeah, and uh, but I also, as a student, um, discovered then the Baroque mandolin, and it was a part of the studies to to play on the Baroque mandolin. And this instrument is more like a lute, so it's uh, it's like a little soprano lute with uh, six double strings instead of four double strings. Oh wow! And it yeah, and it's tuned in thirds and fours, so it's a completely different tuning. It's tuned in G B E A D G. This is like the tuning. So it's more like a guitar, but backwards, you know, like the uh, three strings on the top, you have to put on the butt button uh, on the low. Yeah? So, it's, but, so don't think about the guitar when you play it. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, more like this, or you can also say it's tuned a little bit similar, like the viola da gamba, like this early instrument. Uh, and it has also six strings and uh, the intervals are very similar. And uh, this Baroque mandolin uh, was played with this feather quill, which, which is a bird feather and you divide it into two parts and then you cut it in a way that how they did in the 18th century. And so I'm, I'm doing all this and playing on gut strings. Um, but now I also discovered the modern carbon style strings which last a little bit longer than the gut strings oh yeah i bet <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's you know it's like a completely different instrument but it's it's a baroque mandolin or soprano lute it's both both uh, right is that the one with the gut frets as well yeah also gut frets but uh on this instrument which i played it's there are gut frets um I played the Holzgruber mandolin. The Holzgruber is a maker from Austria who is living in the Alps. And uh, he went sometimes up uh, into the Alps really high and cut his own wood. Oh, and, wow. You know, yeah, so he's like a total nerd, you know. <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> and I went with him because I know him since 30 years. And uh, this instrument, particular instrument, which I played on this CD, he gave to me as a gift when when I did win this mandolin competition, and uh, and it's such a beautiful instrument which he combines on the back uh, maple um, wood and uh, and ebony, which is very different woods. You know, the maple is much softer and the ebony is so hard. Uh, so these two woods, uh, it looks so beautiful, uh, and um, but it's like also sounding very nice. And so I play this instrument on, on the CD and uh, in, a, in a manner of how it was played in the 18th century. What type of strings do you play on, on your main mandolin? Are those, are they steel strings? Yeah, steel strings, they are flat wounded uh, and, and I use tomastic. So the A, D and G string are tomastic, medium. And on the E string, I use Hanabach because the tomastic E string is uh, making noises. And in the classical mandolin, what we try to uh, 
like uh, not have noises when we play, right? The string is really smooth. <laughs> <laughs> the E Hanabach string is total smooth. And um, it's funny when, uh, because Mike loves uh, the little sound which the string makes because he do, does a lot of percussion effects when he's playing, right? Right. And, uh, and as a classical mandolin player, you try to avoid any other noises. So, and those tomastic strings are really nice to play with for me you know i like them yeah they sound well they sound amazing i mean again though that's a lot of that is you obviously but yeah it's it's a wonderful sound i mean i think also any instrument you know whenever you pick an instrument you have to figure out tomastic might not sound good on on an american style mandolin or whatever you know you always have to check out what the instrument is made of and what will fit which strings are fitting this particular instrument and also which pick you use it's always a combination about about many things right to find the, the best sound and the best so on on an italian style mandolin i might use italian strings but on this particular wall uh, mandolin um, i use those wall uh, those tomastic strings what about pick what type of pick do you use I have like this German uh, pick I use. I like a lot. It's a white pick uh, and it's called Wolle, which is very funny because my maker is Woll. It's spelled W-O-L-L. Uh -huh. And the pick, the pick is the same word, but with an E at the end. Oh, so no one kidding. Letter, but they are not connected. You know, it's just <laughs> funny. And Woll, it's like this. It means wool, wool. You know, like this fabric that you you make, you knit a, a shirt out of wool. So that's that's the meaning of the word. And uh, I'm thinking the sound I'm trying to produce on the mandolin. I'm trying to play a warm sound, and so the wool is also warm, warming you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is it a <laughs> is it a thick pick? Yeah, it's pretty thick, and um, it's. It's hard to play really fast on it. So it's like a balance, um, you know, you have to kind of, it's not so easy going like those really thin picks my colleagues are using, especially in Brazil, they have really thin picks, yeah. And also in Italy, they, they more use those really thin tortoise shells. Uh, and this, this wall pick is like three times thicker than, than a tortoise shell pick, but the sound, uh, is um also i'm liking the sound but it's also the way how you hit the string so it's more important actually the technique than than the pick i discovered sometimes people play the right pick but it still doesn't sound or they play the wrong pick but it's i mean wrong uh, of course right and wrong it's always a question of taste yeah but, uh, they play like a thin pick but they do the the angle really good and and they still get a good sound so that's why it's uh, it's not the horse it's the rider right? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well two more questions for you here and again i really really thank you for taking the time to do this today this oh, is so great thank you it's fun to talk to you <laughs> oh awesome thanks um so the the first one is i kind of have a, a 10 minute a day question where um where i ha have talked to players about what they would recommend to someone to do for 10 minutes a day to get better but i would like to ask you what is something that you would recommend to someone who plays bluegrass but wants to get into 
classical mandolin? What what are some ways that you think would be a good gateway for them to approach maybe trying to get interested in the classical style? Besides, obviously, listening to this album. Although listening to this album, it's... I don't, it's so incredible and the technique is so different. Like I look at it like, holy cow, I don't even know how to, I wouldn't even know where to start. So where, where would someone start? Yeah, I think yeah, first the listening is right. I mean, not necessarily only to my record. It's also, you know, just to discover maybe some classical players on YouTube and, you know, just thinking, oh my God, that's cool. Um, but uh, also in general, you know, when uh, when you think, I think uh, people love Bach. Most of the people I I know, I know, so maybe that's also a little access to start with some little cute menuets by Anna Magdalena Bach or something. Um, but um, I mean, it's uh, if 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 the love, I think if the love for classical music is there, uh, and also if if the bluegrass player discover that it's it's actually also cool, you know, often uh, classical music seems not cool which is often true when it's played so <laughs> so you know <laughs> antiseptic i'm calling it you know without any and any you know so strict you know but classical music can be so cool and i can really recommend baroque music is also a very nice entrance and listening to those italian groups like il giardino armonico they called or il barocchisti those are ensembles who play baroque music but it's so rocking you know it's really like oh my god it's so it's so much fun and um, i love baroque music and this means baroque music is the music till 1730 or 1750 you know it depends on the composer but uh, it's really can be the harmonics are so interesting and uh and so listen to like, or some English, uh, you know, John Dowland. Remember Sting made a, a CD with Dowland songs? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a beautiful CD also. And just to see that this music is so cool and what makes it sometimes not cool is not the composer, it's maybe more the interpretation. Or, and, and so, and also if they want to, if they are particular Mandarin players and they, they want to try out something, then, you know, they should just try out this artist works thing and, and sign up. You can sign up for one month. It's not a big, you know, you don't have to sign up for 12 months and then you are stuck with Katerina. <laughs> you, can also, <laughs> you can just try it out for a month and it's not expensive and just see if you like it. And I recorded 180 lessons. Holy uh, cow. Yeah, and, and pieces, I mean, and there are also lessons. And then, you know, really broke it down from the very beginning with open strings and really like somebody who just bought an instrument till the advanced. And, and they can just try it out. And, and if they like it, they, they sign up for other months. Or if they don't like it, then, you know, they just had a little experience. But um, I think that's, you know, this is how I would do it. You know, if I want to. If I want to play jazz, I, I would first check out some jazz players and, and you know, and then I would see hmm, which teacher I maybe like and and if I can sign up for something with a with not a like long life um <laughs> <agreement>. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know for for a little bit and, and see hmm, maybe does it work for me or not, then maybe that's not a big risk and, and you can you can check it out. And um, and 
I'm, I'm friendly, so <laughs> whoever signs up, I'm, I will be not me, not those mean classical teachers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, You're very encouraging. Yes, I, I think it's just wonderful if somebody loves something and wants to learn. That's that's so cool, and um, and everything is at the beginning hard and and always easy when you go more into it, and that's why you know I I I, I love teaching because I know that uh, I, I I also need so much help with other things where I'm not good at, and so we are all sharing something and to share my my knowledge with with somebody who wants to learn that's that's very nice you know i love to do this oh that's awesome do you have um do you have any fiddle tunes that you really love from the uh like the traditional american sort of fiddle tunes oh old old joe clark <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's great Oscar. You know, this um, cold corn, hot corn. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And then Alsix. I love Alsix. Um, there's like a, also a traditional thing Mike and I play. Yeah, the Alsix Farewell. Yes, Alsix Farewell. It's, it's such a cool, isn't it cool? Oh it's very cool. And you guys make it really cool. <laughs> I mean, I just love so many things. I, I, I don't remember the names always, right? But uh, often when I hear something, I think, oh yeah, I know this song and it's so familiar to me. So it's so beautiful songs. I love um, also old time music so much. Um, and sometimes also the, the lyrics, you know, when I hear and I'm asking Mike to translate it to me <laughs> because I don't understand always. And sometimes I feel, oh, there are some songs that are pretty heavy, you know, with um, when when some songs were some girl was taken in the mountains and killed or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, 20 <whoa>. years ago. <laughs> yeah, 20, 20 years ago, I did not understand the lyrics and I just enjoyed the music. And sometimes this um, the music sounds happy, but the lyrics are heavy, you know? Uh, or, I mean, Tim O'Brien, it's like my favorite uh, singer with um, his last CD. There was also some pretty heavy song was like the lyrics. When I, when I really listened to the lyrics, I thought, oh, my God, that's, you know, the picture on the wall. I don't know if you have this. CD. I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. And he's thinking about his sister he never met. Yeah. Then. Uh, I was every time I listen to the song, I have to cry because it's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's also so amazing singing, but also playing so beautiful. So there's a lot of, but there's so many others too. I just don't mention now all of them because it would take another hour <laughs> to like. <laughs> 
And then um, mm-hmm. it, it, the last question, it is mandolins and beer. Do you, do you enjoy a, a beer every now and again? Oh, oh my God, I love beer. You know this, um, I mean, I'm also German, right? <laughs> so, uh, in Germany, we have so many different beers, but I really like this um, Bavarian style beer made with yeast. Uh, Paulaner, I don't know if you have this in America. Like it's um, it's like a piece of bread, but in in a in a in a form of a beer. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you know it, mm-hmm. Paulana. It's like a vice beer, like white beer. Yeah. But uh, I've seen similar things in in America in some of the shops. But yeah, I love beer. There's no question. Sometimes when when you are when you are thirsty, yeah, really thirsty, and then this first zip of a cold beer, oh my god, there's nothing better than this, right? Agree, that's one hundred percent. Two of my favorite things: yes. <laughs> mandolins yes. and beer. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Well, Katerina, this has been just a wonderful way to spend my Monday morning here talking with you. Your new album is. It is beautiful. Uh, again, I can't. I can't say it enough. It's um, congratulations. It's so hard to, I think, uh, to record and capture emotion and feeling, let alone with the technique that you have. Um, it, I highly recommend it to anyone. Thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Another great episode. Katarina is amazing. The album is amazing. As you probably heard me say a few times there, I highly recommend going to get it. Uh, Go to her website. You can go to mandolinsbeer.com as well and check out the links. Thank you to my sponsors. Thank you to you guys. See you next week. Cheers.